So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure your photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast where we teach you how to grow your photography business if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog posts check out sixfigurephotography.com now here's your host ben hartley Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 40 of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Hartley with Style and Story Creative and, of course, Six Figure Photography. And uh, today's going to be a great episode, you guys. Look, if this is your first time, join in. Welcome. The entire purpose of this podcast is to help you grow your photography business. One of the main principles that I so firmly believe in is that uh, your income, your salary, your net worth is directly related to how well you serve your clients. Today, we got Jasmine Starr. Jasmine didn't just make a name for herself in the wedding photography industry, but in the motivation, the brand building, marketing uh, industry, right? You've heard of her from maybe Creative Live, any number of events that she's keynoted. One of my favorite things uh, that I've read, just a small little snippet came from Professional Photographers Magazine. They wrote this, and I totally agree. She's talented, eloquent, overwhelmingly positive. It's both infectious and reassuring. You guys, I'm really excited to bring you on board with this conversation with Jasmine and I. We're going to be talking all things social with this. So where's social going? How to double down on your efforts? How to get the most out of your social media content? Our conversation is so incredibly practical. I'm going to stop talking and jump right in. Let's do this. Jasmine, welcome to the SFP podcast. How are you, girl? I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is such a treat. I, look, I since the well, look, I saw you on stage for the first time, uh, keynoting at United, and when I saw your energy and your pacing, I just was like, I want to have a conversation with this woman because I, I just I'm excited about it. Like, I think I think there's going to be an energy level that's going to go on during this conversation, uh, like none other episode of the SFP podcast. So, thank you for giving me that honor, girl. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So, okay. I always like to start. Where are we talking from? Where are you at, Jasmine? I'm at home at Newport Beach, California. Okay. Fantastic. So, uh, let's see. A few hours back. Okay, cool. So, um, uh, like uh, today, start of your day. Well, this is a fun thing to kind of start with. What are some of your morning rituals as you begin your day and you get up to go uh, conquer the world? I am so predictable. I mean, you could literally set a watch to the, my patterns and uh, my morning methodology. So I'm an early riser and it seems like the older I get, the earlier I am waking up. So this morning I woke up at 3.45 wide awake. I couldn't fall asleep. And so instead of, you know, laying in bed and not being productive, I woke up, I uh, read, I prayed, I meditated, I stretched 
And then I got into my inbox, like at 4.30 in the morning, I cranked out all of my email by 5.30, started working on other projects. But the morning rituals are always uh, wake up, say good morning to my poor sweet husband, who's just like, he looked at the clock this morning. He's like, no, it's too, no, you're going back to bed. Please go back to bed. And I was like, I'm wide awake. If I stay in bed, I'll just sit here talking to you. He's like, okay, go read, enjoy your reading. So I read this morning, but that's usually what I do. I pray, um, I read, I take a hot bath and then I get into email. That's my ritual. I love it. So, um, look, we're going to be talking about social media. We're going to be talking about marketing. Um, but I want to stay on this for just a hot second because I'm curious now, right? This is how conversations go. I'm like, oh, I want to feed off that. So I hear from so many entrepreneurs that, uh, this isn't, you know, a black and white thing, but I do, I hear from so many entrepreneurs that say that to stay out of your inbox, uh, instead of jumping in first thing, to hold off till after lunch, to hold off, you know, to a little bit later in the day. Do you have any sort of methodology in terms of, of why jump into your inbox first? Um, well, it technically isn't first. It was at a point very first. Like it would be the first thing I would wake up, I would roll over, I would look at my phone, I would see who's emailed, what I need to do. And it was just like the wrong way to start my day. So for me, I'm usually awake for like 35 minutes before, I actually get into my inbox and I get my mind right. I set my intentions for the day. I kind of just ease into my morning, make myself a cup of tea. And then I get into my inbox, but I limit myself to email to 60 minutes per day. So whatever I don't get done in an hour, it gets pushed back to the next day. And I only answer in the morning for, to the best of my ability. Like 98% of my correspondence is happening one hour every morning. And to me, my, that's why mine is when the freshest. And then I could lay out my daily schedule according to the work that needs to be done. Um, based on what I've gotten back from feedback in regards to my inbox. So I start my day. Um, getting my mind right. But then I dived directly into my inbox because I want to push it out of my mind. Like when I'm done with email, I'm done with email for the day. Yeah. And I think the critical step that you outlined uh, was just that you have a limit, right? You don't allow yourself to get lost into the- Oh, uh, the abyss? The, yes, exactly. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it's like the Kraken. If you, you will lose your life to the inbox Kraken. So no, it is an hour and then we are done. I'm interested to hear like in, in 15, 20 years, like, you know, there's these old wives tales, you know, that we tell our kids. I'm curious about like future generations will tell these old tales of like how their great, great grandfathers had a friend who like <laughs> lost his life and they, they, they never saw him again. He went to answer his email. And they never saw it again. Um, we lost him to the AOL dial-up. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's start talking social here. So uh, I want to jump right in on this because there's so many platforms to be on. And there, I kind of hear a couple different uh, schools of thought on this. I hear double down, go all in on one platform, maximize your resources uh, You know, towards where you think your audience is, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, I don't care where it is. Or there's the kind of like, be everywhere, right? Be everywhere at once, cover every ground, test and learn and, and try at all. And so where do you fall uh, in the social media kind of uh, hemisphere? Um, somewhere in the middle of that, if you can believe it, I'm, uh, I'm actually a law school dropout. And the thing that you learn in law school is there's no such thing as black and white. I just a very, a variety of gray. And I definitely adhere to that in my life principles now is, um, 
I do believe because time is so limited and time is limited for people in different capacities. I do believe that you should be investing heavily into a platform where you feel the most comfortable, where you feel like your ideal clients are, where they're participating and where you can get the greatest return on investment. However, that's not to say that you should put a hundred percent of your investment because as we know, social media platforms change quite often. And so you don't want to be a hundred, you don't want all your eggs in one basket because you know, there was a time when MySpace was the place to be, and that doesn't exist. And there was a time when Vine was like the hottest app, and that's no longer existing. There was a time when Periscope was the place to be to get attention immediately on Twitter. And you'll see like these cycles with social media. And I'm a huge believer in becoming a practitioner of the newest forms of social media so that you have a cognizance of what is out there and what could put potentially grow into something else. And so for me, I do heavily invest in Facebook and Instagram as my primary sources for communication on social media, but I'm also very heavily involved with Twitter and Snapchat. Although Twitter and Snapchat do seem to be on the decline, I still want to understand what's happening in those platforms as well as checking out new platforms. So I'm not a believer in 100% doubling down all in on one platform, uh, a wide, I mean, a large percentage, yes, but still dedicating a lot of time to seeing what the next big thing is. Yeah, that's great. Um, do you, this is uh, kind of focused in now on, uh, for photographers here. Do you see um, value for photographers in Pinterest anymore? Or do you kind of categorize that into the uh, the decline that you know Twitter is currently seeing? I believe, and this is what I felt even when I initially saw Pinterest, is I believe that our job as creators is to create the content that people then pin. And that was why I didn't, I never doubled down on Pinterest. I, I have a private Pinterest account that I only use when I was like redecorating my home. I don't <laughs> believe that I should be the source of the, per, I don't believe I need to be the pinner. I would like my stuff to be pinned. And I do believe that there are other out there uh, curators and people who are looking for poses and ideology and ideas for future things which is why I would also um, write a lot of helpful uh, content on my blog. It's like posing tips, what to wear on an engagement session. And then I would create little infographics that people, if they stumbled across that blog post, would then be able to pin in Pinterest. And that then became the source of a lot of repins. And I wasn't the one putting my content out there. I was creating the content and then empowering others to do that for me. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, all right. So let's jump in. Look, uh, I'm going to kind of access uh, a little bit of where I imagine the audience is at right now. I uh, Most of the six-figure photography audience, um, I mean... At a blanket, they're all trying to grow their business, right? For many photographers, they're working part-time at a job or full-time at a job, trying to take their photography business full-time, trying to, or maybe they just jumped, right? They they, they just left and now they're faced uh, with this kind of like daunting, empty calendar, trying to figure out how they're going to make this year work out. And so I want to talk about growing our business uh, through social. Um, and so, man, it's just like such a broad question. Maybe we'll get a little bit more specific with it. I mean, look, I don't think anyone's not on social, but I think there's a lot of people who are on social, social media, and it's just not playing out how they've imagined. It's not playing out how maybe they've heard other people, they, how they've heard these success stories of, of acquiring clients through, through Instagram or, or finding clients on, on Facebook. And so what do you tell the photographer who they're engaging on, on social media and they're, and they're just not seeing a return? That's a really great question and a, a very insightful observation. And I've broke it down into two categories and I get heavily into this. I am currently 
um, launching a free four-part social media series for creative entrepreneurs and lar- by large, my audience is photographers. So this is like I created content specifically for people who say, oh, I'm on social media. And then I started creating a distinction. There are two categories, I believe, of creative entrepreneurs who are using social media. Those that say I'm on social media, sure, you might have a Twitter account, you might have a Facebook page, you occasionally update an Instagram, you're like, okay. And then there are entrepreneurs who use social media. And that is a great distinction of simply being on and using. So people who are on social media will post a blog or they'll post photos from a recent session. And then they wonder why people aren't talking back to them when in all actuality, they're posting maybe once every two days on Facebook. And it all it is, is a commercial for the services they provide mm-hmm. versus a strategic entrepreneur, a strategic creative entrepreneur who uses social media, creates conversations, updates consistently, respects the platform, creates conversation within the platform for new users and shows up every single day, not just to push or pedal their own content, their own photos, their own albums, but basically to see, to create, to see and create ways to say, how can I create conversations? How can I create relationships? Relationships, because relationships are the things that turn into customers. Customers just don't spring up out of the woodworks. You have to work really hard at social media. So those who are strategic and use social media are very different from those who are casual people who are on social media. Yeah. Provide value first before you ask for it. You said something back there that was pretty loaded and I want to rewind. I want to dig a little bit deeper, ask you further questions about it. You said to respect the platform. I think that, uh, look, you're a fast talker. And so that probably just went by pretty quickly over people's heads as it was. <laughs> I don't uh, talk fast. You listen slow, Ben. Get it right. Oh, Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stealing that line from you, by the way. I'll give you credit though. I'll be like, hey, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, unpack that, right? Unpack that for me. Um, respecting the platform. Platform. What does that? What does that mean? Well, what I see a lot of photographers doing is they're trying to double, triple, cross pollinate their endeavors. So they say, if I upload a photo to Instagram, well, I can simply click on and share it directly to Facebook, directly to Instagram, directly to whatever social platform I deem appropriate that's linked up with the Instagram API. But what happens is the way that you talk with people on Instagram is very different than the way that you talk with people on Facebook, very different from the way that you talk with people on Twitter. Like specifically speaking, Twitter is 140 characters. And what I see happening a lot are photographers... Um, simply just cross pollinating, you know, putting a photo from Instagram on Twitter. And what people are seeing on Twitter are only the first 140 characters, which most of the time doesn't make sense. You're not getting your point across in a way. And then what happens is Twitter got smart. You're no longer, uh, able to see the Instagram photo in Twitter. They make it an Instagram link. And so studies have shown that only 17% of the people who are actually seeing that particular tweet will click on the Instagram photo. But that number is very different. It's like 74% of people will click on a photo that's uploaded as a JPEG to Twitter itself. So people who think like, yeah, I'm on Twitter. Well, no, you're not if you're not respecting the platform. Similarly speaking, if you have an Instagram photo and you're putting at mentions and you're using hashtags on Instagram, those do not parlay as well as when you go over to Facebook. The at mentions don't work and the hashtags, Facebook wasn't built for hashtags. So the searchability is just silly. And so what happens is that people on Facebook feel that they're watching a conversation happening on another platform in front of them instead of feeling like the conversation is actually happening in the platform in which they're residing. And it's a really small change. You can upload a photo 
to Instagram, and then you go to the edit settings, and then all you have to do is you can still sync up that photo from Instagram to Facebook, but you're going to take out the at mentions, you're going to take out the hashtags, and then what you're going to do is you can upload that directly to Facebook, and then you're going to go to Facebook, and then instead of using an at mention, you're going to tag the page or the person that you're with and make it feel like the conversation is residing in the platform in which it should exist. Yeah, I love it. So in other words, put in the work. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I love it though. So okay, further further question about respecting the platform in re- in regards to uh, emerging platforms. Well, at this point, it's no longer emerging. It's just here. This is like Snapchat right. and it's it's Instagram Stories. Where do you see? Um, how, how do you see photographers using something like that? It's it's different than the native platform of Instagram itself, but just the stories aspect alone. What's the differentiation? Different. Oh God, help me, girl. The different- differentiation. Hey, there, it there, is. We go. there it is. There it is. <laughs> Between stories and then your feed. Well, to me, stories reminds me of when Instagram first came out. And when Instagram first came out, people, you know, the average Joe and the professional photographer were just using their phone to be like, I'm capturing life and this is so fun. And there was all this creative freedom. And then all of a sudden, it definitely became a full on marketing mechanism. So people became, myself included, very aware of the aesthetic of your grid. That matters. You have to make sure that the photos look good and that you're using it with strategy and you have a plan. And it's become so wonderful, but it's also in the same way, slightly limiting. So for instance, my best friend is a background singer for Taylor Swift. And we went to a Taylor Swift concert and I was at the venue and I really wanted to post a photo on Instagram, but I was like, oh, it's going to make my grid look so ugly. You know, it's like I all of a sudden became very aware. And to me, Instagram stories and Snapchat, just they feel so much more organic. There isn't that level of perfection, at least not yet. And so to me, it's such a great way to have something that disappears after 24 hours. It's a great way to show the difference in what we do do and who we are. So you and I are both photographers. You and I both shoot. You and I both probably use the same gear, can edit with the same presets, can use the same computer, can have the same camera, can have the same lens. We could even be at the same event shooting the same people. But why would somebody hire me over you? And why would somebody hire you over me? And at the end of the day, it comes strictly and entirely down to the person behind the camera. And I think that Instagram stories is a powerful way to show who you are as a creative in addition to the things that you create. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. I think there's some really interesting possibilities with this too, as we're talking about being able to convey more of who you are, your meaningful difference, your why, your, you know, what makes you, you, uh, with, with photographers are always doing, you know, first looks and reveals. And I'd love to see more of, of storytelling of you actually explaining the story behind a picture as you reveal it through something like stories. I think though, the, 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 the struggle that many photographers have in our our specific industry is we want things we're we're creatives right we're artists we want things to be beautiful we want to produce and and have our hand in it and i think it's that hurdle of of letting ourselves off the hook to just simply document without it being perfect do you know what i mean i think that's the 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 struggle is is to be okay with without everything going through photoshop Oh, a thousand percent. And I think I did, you know, over the years, I'm like been shooting for like 11 years and I picked up a lot of heat for that exact thing. I'm just a firm believer in like that documentation trumps perfection. It's like I would, you have more power as a creative to document and produce and document and produce. And I believe that two photographers of equal talent, the one who outproduces simply by documentation ends up winning. Yeah. That's just the that's just the age in which we live right now and of course some people are listening to this and they're cringing. They're yelling. 
at their computer, they're holding their iPhone and they want to throw it across the floor because they think this girl's talking trash. And I'm telling you, if you don't believe this now, you will believe it in three years. This is where the industry is going. But also they can get mad all they want because it, who, no one cares that they're mad. Like the market's the market's the market. They're not winning and, and someone else is. And so like, I hate to be like so harsh, but no one cares, right? It's it, right. like move the needle. And I guess the other thing too, is it's like when you, when you document versus produce, like you at least like you, you take action. You, you actually create something. You just, you move forward at a much faster pace. And Absolutely. so uh, I think, look, I think that's critical, especially as we're talking about trying to exist on multiple platforms, trying to exist on, on Twitter, on Instagram, on, on Instagram stories, on Snapchat, on Facebook. It's like creating that, the allocation of time. Uh, there, there just isn't enough time to produce on every single level without a team. Absolutely. Mm, okay. Absolutely. But I do think that, I mean, right now it's just my husband and myself and I, I do 99% of the social media and, um, I do think it's possible. You just have to be extraordinary strategic in the way that you approach it. Yeah. So, um, I really try planning what my Instagram post will be. That doesn't necessarily mean. So for instance, this weekend, I'm going to an event in Los Angeles, um, hosted by Sophia Amoroso and the event is called the girl boss conference. And I, well, I haven't taken those photos because I'm not there yet. I did plan in my mind and in my grid, I'm going to want a landscape photo of Los Angeles to set the scene visually for my, um, followers. And then the next day I'll post now that Instagram has updated that you can up, upload up to 10 photos and videos that I will absolutely be uploading anywhere from five to eight photos at, from the event that are all curated. And then on Sunday, I'll probably post one of me and my good friend and graphic designer promise Tangiman. So I've thought in my mind what Friday, Saturday and Sunday look like from a visual perspective, even though I have yet to create it. And I think that that goes into strategy that I can use those photos in a uh, like maybe a couple of days later and up the upload an album to Facebook, I'll be able to grab a few of those JPEGs and upload them to Twitter. So there, there is a way to cross pollinate, still respect the platform and then speak to people in the platform in the which that in the way that they're used to. Yeah, that's awesome. So from a practical standpoint, from like a how standpoint, are there any tools that you're using? Are there any um, organizational tools that you're using to kind of map this out ahead of time to schedule those posts? Anything like that that you'd like to share? Oh my gosh, Ben, I'm so ghetto. Like seriously, you should see my <laughs> desk right now. It has like 47 post-it notes. Yeah. I'm not lying. I'm not like, I I know people are like, so what's your CRM and what do you do here? And I'm like, girl, it is a notebook and a uh -huh. pen. Like it's just ghetto. But I'm very, very, very visual. In fact, right now I have this, it's huge, but it's like a, I think seven foot by five foot, uh, whiteboard that I keep in my garage. But whenever I need to brainstorm, I have my husband and business partner bring it into my office. And right now I'm just writing a whole bunch of ideas because I need to see it before I can actually sew it all together from a visual and, um, written form. So yes, Love writing it, it down. That's awesome. I think there's something incredibly powerful about uh, committing things. It's, this is like print, right? This is why we print pictures. It doesn't exist in digital. It's it's a physical, Absolutely. tangible thing. So, Absolutely. All right, look, I, um, I want to talk real quick about uh, how do you actually separate yourself in such a saturated market, such as Instagram, such as, as Facebook, and then you compound that with not only is uh, is uh, you know this social media platform saturated, but then our industry is saturated and the the content saturated. So, how do you separate yourself, right, uh, to actually exist on that on that space in any sort of meaningful way. 
Well, first and foremost, I just kind of want to strip away the idea because I believe that what we say brings into reality. So whenever we say I'm in a saturated market or I am, oh, so many of my competitors live next door to me. Like in my city, there's so many of this and so many of that. And I hate to break the news to you, Buttercup, but that's every industry where the barriers of entry are really low. So real estate agents, cooks, um, painters, like you don't need permission to pursue photography. You get a camera and then you do it. And so that, but that this, it, our industry isn't, um, this lone black horse off running in the distance wild. And we're all misunderstood. This is the world we live in. Competition is everywhere. So when you stop, when you kind of step away saying, if I was doing this, or if I was baking cakes, or if I was painting photos, or if I was crocheting scarves, competition would exist. So not to run away from the competition, but to embrace it and understand that how you stick out in this market is the same way that you're going to stick out in the next market and the next market every time your business matures with you. And that's simply to say, I understand. The thing I tell myself is I understand that there are hundreds of thousands of people who do what I do. I understand that there are those who use the same tools and shoot in the same way and shoot the same caliber of weddings as I do. And they might have the same website company and the same presets. They might have everything the same. And the way that you stick out is to use the one intangible asset that nobody else possesses. And that's you. And that's very difficult because so often as creatives, what we want to do is we want to wear an armor of our artistry saying the thing that sets me apart is, wow, I I really know. I I really know how to take really highly saturated images. My high key images are just, I'm very moody. My black and white to those grains are unparalleled. Sure. Okay. But you're selling a highly educated product to a highly uneducated audience. People specifically when it comes to choosing a photographer for their family for their parties, for their weddings, for their babies are making a hundred percent emotional decision. Mm -hmm. They aren't sitting there talking about, well, you know what? I think her ISO was a little too hot. No, they're saying, how does this photo make me feel when I have a conversation, when I see this person's Instagram stories, when I see their Facebook ads, what am I feeling? Can I spend a very important and sacred time in my life with this person? And the thing that we hide behind is the very thing that sets us apart. And that is ourselves it's who we are. It's how we do what we do and how we present it. Mm. Can you just like say that again? Exactly like that. <laughs> like, it's just like, like uh, this is so, this is so important. This is intrinsic value as well. It's not just like at the end of this experience, I'm going to hand you a set of images. This is like, and by the way, you said too, it's how does that, you, you said, how does that picture make you feel? It's how does having a conversation with you make you feel. I, I just spent Absolutely. Uh, like uh, all last week I was talking about um, bridal shows. And I did this whole big bridal show training thing. And look, it doesn't like all these photographers spend so much damn money and time trying to make their booth the most ridiculous, amazing booth ever. And you know what they're not going to remember? The booth. They're going to remember the conversation that they had with you and how you made them feel. They're going to remember you and your energy and your pacing and your passion for what you do and your passion for them, right? As a person, um, it's, uh, it's, it's so, it's so incredibly true. And so then how does that play out then? Um, when you start effectively doing that, uh, towards uh towards actually um acquiring clients like specifically with social right because obviously you start doing this stuff and things start working things start coming together word of mouth starts kicking in and all that kind of stuff but is there any way that you can convey more of who you are more of your meaningful difference more of what makes you you through social to actually convert 
Absolutely. And this is the, and this is kind of like a hurdle that I come across is people say, well, I have used it and it just doesn't work or I'm doing it and I'm showing up every day, but I can't seem to book. And to me, it's a continuum. So if you start off like most of the time, customers, new followers, clients, perspectives are coming in by way of a funnel that they are a part of. So Facebook or Instagram. So they'll find you on social media. They kind of like what you're producing. And then when it actually comes time to actually make an investment, the experience that they uh, go through to go to your website or read your about page, that is the missing linchpin is that so often photographers rely so much on the work they produce and they're not concerned about the experiences they make. And experiences, when it comes from a business perspective, is a brand. If people, if photographers do not have a brand in place, you can have them, you can slay social media, but by the time they actually get to the point, your online storefront, if they don't feel you and see you and have a very positive professional experience, you're going to have a very hard time booking. You could have four or five thousand Instagram followers. But if you have a website that's broken or looks janky or unprofessional, you will have a very hard time booking. So it might not be social media that's not working for you. It might be the brand experience on the back end. Yeah. Do you have any um, suggestions to help someone? Oh man, I mean, this is just something that I encounter so often. I'm sure you do too, but help someone <laughs> become self-aware to that understanding, like to actually, uh, to become aware that maybe it's not the marketing that needs work. It's the brand and it's, it's the voice, it's the copywriting, it's, it's, uh, the experience that you're putting out there online. Um, do you have any tips or suggestions, uh, for how someone can kind of, uh, better understand and evaluate where that actually sits? Absolutely. So I have an online marketing and branding course called The Path to Profitability, and you can find that at thepathtoprofitability.com. And in one of the lessons, I really break down how to become self-aware when it comes to how people are experiencing your online storefront. And a lot of times people are like, I don't have enough clients to ask these questions. And I'm like, let's not focus on the clients right now. Let's focus on the people who could just deal it to you straight. Those are your friends. Those are your family. Those might be people that you practice yoga with or go to church with or play t-ball with. These are people who know you, who you can ask a series of five to six questions. And it's, can you um, see what I do professionally at the outset? How three words to describe my website. Does my website feel professional or amateur to you? What are things that make sense about the website? What doesn't work from the website? These are really basic questions, but so often we're afraid of the answers and we're afraid of actually once we're confronted with that mirror is the amount of work that it's going to take to actually reformat that. But if you want to stay in the game for the long term, if you want to not just have an expensive hobby, if you actually want to create a profitable business, self-awareness is going to be the most tantamount thing that you can do and give yourself as a gift as an entrepreneur. Mm, awesome. Jasmine, thank you so much. I got one more question before, before we hop. Uh, New emerging platforms, right? Like you had mentioned that you, you've got your core, you've got your Instagram and your Facebook, and you're kind of uh, you're keeping an eye out. D do you see any emerging platforms kind of on the horizon that you're kind of paying attention to right now? Maybe you're not all in on, maybe you're not investing in yet, but you're aware of. Absolutely. And this is not necessarily for my market, but I understand that um, as I get older, the market, the larging, the the largest like buying dem demographic is also getting older. So where are the platforms that they are right now? So I don't necessarily believe that my target demographic is on Snapchat, but I'm still there understanding the platform, watching to see how it's done. And also um, 
Musically. So musically, mm-hmm. so whereas like Snapchat is definitely for that like 18 to 28 demographic, musically is that 14 to 20 demographic. And I want to understand what is so appealing about that because I do think that as musically changes and other apps come in, that audience that was raised on that type of understanding of social media will transition into a different platform. So I want to get like my bearing. And now where I think um, entrepreneurs or just kind of like people in the business Silicon Valley, there's this new app called Whale. You can find it at the app store, Ask Whale. And people will go in and they ask questions to other people. And the only way that you can answer is on video format. And I definitely believe that video is where all industries are headed. So if I want to, and I'm actually an active user on um, Ask Whale, and I want to make sure that I'm understanding how to present myself in a video capacity and really refine those skills. Because I definitely think that with Snapchat, Instagram stories, Ask Whale, that's where it's going. And Twitter even, even had mentioned that you can do like at mentions or thinking about um, updating the platform to actually answer questions via video. And so I definitely know that that's the direction. So I'm finding apps that really uh, help me get a jump start on how to present myself and my business in that capacity online. Love it. That's incredible. Uh, I'm checking out Ask Whale. That sounds like 100% up my wheelhouse. So I've got I'm sure it is, homie. That. I'm sure it is. <laughs> Jasmine, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for your time and your knowledge. Just dropping bombs left and right, girl. Where can people find out um, more about what you're up to? Like, you got so much going on. It's been so exciting watching your career and just how you're continuing to bless uh, not just photographers, but entrepreneurs, creative um, marketers. And, and I'd love to hear what you're up to now and how people can learn more about it. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. So if people would like a free social media marketing guide, they can visit thepathtoprofitability.com forward slash insider. So if you want to be an insider for The Path to Profitability, you can get and download that free social media guide. And once you're there, you can also find me on my website, jasminestar.com and on social media on all platforms at jasminestar. Awesome. I'll make sure to drop links down in the show notes for everyone as well. Uh, Jasmine, thank you again, dear. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. Have a great one. Cheers. I hope you guys are able to see where Jasmine is, really why Jasmine is where she is today. I hope you feel motivated. I hope you feel inspired to be really intentional with your social media in 2017. On the topic of creating content that is native to the social platform that you are on, I want to invite you guys to join me on Facebook Live over at the Six Figure Photography page every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, goodness, every weekday, I go live for you guys. There's over 140 episodes and we can continue this conversation outside of the podcast. And the really cool thing is if you guys show up live, we get to actually talk. We get to have a conversation. We get to discuss things. The entire goal of Six Figure Live is to inspire, to motivate, to encourage you guys on a daily basis because it's incredibly hard to show up every single day in your living room or to go downstairs to the basement or to even leave the home and go to go to Starbucks or the office and continue to move the needle. And I would love to be a voice uh, for you. That's really an advocate for your business to help you succeed. So we'll see you guys over there. Thank you so much for all of your support, your care. I read every email that you get. I get all the messages on Facebook, everything you guys send my way. I just want you to know that I really appreciate it. Your gratitude means the world to me. We'll see you next episode 41 coming up next week. Cheers, you guys. Thanks again.